Now, our guest speaker uh, needs no introduction from me, uh, but I will say that he is always so positive and always says yes when we ring him and say, please, will you help us out to come on the radio or please, will you uh, come and give us a hand to launch this or launch that? Um, he's probably Ireland's biggest mental health advocate um, and has opened up the conversation for young people up and down the country that, that really, and I'm not just saying this, it hasn't been done before. So um, it is with absolute delight I'd like to introduce you to Brezzy. Thanks, Emil. Um, I'm not really going to go into my background of why I do this, but to keep it simple, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and clinical depression. But it took a long time before that diagnosis came. Uh, a lot of relationships were destroyed. A lot of careers were destroyed because I couldn't function. <clears throat> but I was the anti-stereotype. I was the person that should function. I wasn't the quiet guy in the corner. I wasn't the guy who didn't speak a lot. I was the athlete. I was doing well in school. Uh, but I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't breathe at night. I was ripping my duvet apart at night. Uh, I had crippling insomnia. I had crippling depression where I couldn't get out of bed for weeks. And I was still functioning because I was so petrified of the stigma. I was so petrified about anyone finding out. And rather than tell you the story, because it's a long one, um, it's many, I think the one kind of common denominator that kind of kept me probably still here is my family, with my mother and father. And I kind of always thought to myself, the one thing that keeps going around in my head is if I didn't have that, if I hadn't had that stability, if I didn't have that kind of, just knowing that I had that family, what could have happened? And that's the one thing that scares me a little bit. Um, I'm going to give you an example of why phone lines probably are so effective. Uh, rather than go through in detail some of my experiences, because a lot of you don't need to hear them, and sometimes they're quite difficult to hear, um, and they're difficult to talk about. But I remember at this stage I was on sports scholarship in UCD <clears throat> and I uh, just signed a professional rugby contract with Leinster and I was, uh, believe it or not, at this point not functioning uh, at all. I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping. Uh, I was absolutely decimating weight. And as a rugby player, it's the worst thing that happened. You're trying to put on weight all the time. You're trying to compete with big meatheads that are, you know, three times your size. So I wasn't able to eat, I wasn't able to sleep. Um, and I remember a Wednesday evening before being picked to play for Leinster on the Friday evening in Donnybrook against Edinburgh in the Celtic League in front of eight, 9,000 people. <clears throat> I just experienced a, basically a, a, a panic attack for the entire day. I just had that uneasiness that just didn't go away. That burning skin, that itchy skin, that like your brain is on fire. And it kind of progressed and I couldn't get out of my bed. I, whatever happens when I get to that place, physically I can't move. Physically my legs don't work. And all that kept going through my head is I have to play a match on Friday in front of seven, 8,000 people. And at the moment I can't walk. <clears throat> so I did something and, and, and it was one of, my, one of the things that I've done throughout my relationship with my mental health that wasn't sustainable or functional behaviour. Uh, Self-harm was always part of my kind of go-to therapy, which really wasn't, really was the kind of the screaming warning shot that something was seriously wrong. So at this particular night, 
the idea of playing a rugby match on a Friday just, just filled me with every fear there was. So I, knocked, I tried to knock myself out by headbutting the wall in my bedroom, and I did it repeatedly until I felt dizzy, until I felt nauseous. And I remember I could see blood coming down the side of my eye, and just before I knocked myself out, and I actually felt that I felt I'd been concussed so many times, I could feel that kind, of, that kind of weirdness sinking in. It's like vertigo. And I stopped. Something made me stop. And that evening, I was in UCD at the time. I picked up the phone to a, a thing called Nightline in UCD. <clears throat> I don't remember who she was. She, I don't even remember her name. But I basically put my phone beside my ear. And I told her everything. And she just said, she just said I'm only up the road. It was such a simple thing to say to me. And I remember waking up the next morning with the phone beside my ear. And I'd speaking maybe for three hours. I played the match on Friday. I don't know how I did. But the reason I did is because I believe that people who have mental health illnesses have a resilience within their body so internal that if you get it out, nothing can challenge you. And I'm sick of doing this where <clears throat> people talk about it as a weakness. It's a strength. I'm telling you, it's a strength. It's, it doesn't feel that way when it kind of, you know, you're going through those days where you can't get out of bed. But I've turned it to a point where I've made mental fitness my routine, my daily routine. I had to. Five years ago, I had to make that choice. And every single day, I invest in my mind. Every day. I do 50 minutes of mindfulness a day. I'm, I'm like a floating Buddha at this point with what I do. But I had to fine-tune that, and I had to work on that. And there was days I wanted to do nothing else. And I still did it. <clears throat> because I had to. And the fact is, like, things like helplines, and, and something that's really kind of hard for me at the moment, and quite overwhelming in doing what I'm doing, is I, I'm doing book signings at the moment. And yesterday I was at my, in my hometown, and so many people came up, and it was girlfriends and wives saying, either something like, my husband's in the car, he's not ready to talk or my boyfriend's in the car, this is for him. And I thought to myself, I think what's starting to happen is men are starting to tip their toe in the water. There's, men are weird. They will never jump in. They'll never kind of go, right, I need help. They'll test it. They'll kind of go, right, maybe I'll phone. See how that goes. And if that goes well, maybe I'll phone again. And if that goes even better, maybe I'll go and meet somebody. And if that therapy goes better, I'll go again. And maybe I'll start looking at other areas. So one thing I've realized in the last couple of years doing this, trying to throw a man into the water and say, come on, get in, isn't really kind of how men operate. And it might be a huge generalization. Sometimes men want a wetsuit and a little boat to hold on to when they get into the water because it's too cold. But that's the way it is. And that's the way we've got to look at it. And for me... There's a couple of things happening in Ireland. And I've spoke to people like Conor Cusack, Ashley Thompson, Alan Quinn, and other people who are, who are happy to have this conversation. And this is where it's quite exciting. I believe that we can become world leaders with this in mental health. Not in, not in just treatment, but in the engagement and the conversation around it. We have the media. The media are engaging with us. <clears throat> we have... General society, believe it or not, when I spoke about it, all I received was empathy. That's all. I didn't receive what I thought I was going to receive. I didn't think I'd, I thought I was going to lose my job. Like, those statistics you read out, 
I don't know who those people are, but I don't know any of them. And that's a fact. There are still people out there who don't understand. And I have empathy for them, whereas I used to have anger. Because they've never been taught, because they've not been let. We haven't taught people in schools. People at home don't talk about it. So don't get angry with those people. Let's do something about it. That's the difference. Anger gets you nowhere. So my, my position, what I'm looking to do is, how do we engage government, media, and the general population? and become world leaders at creating a conversation and becoming one of the countries that does talk about emotion. Because I'll tell you one thing with Ireland, 10 years ago, did anyone in this room think that we'd be celebrating gay marriage out in the streets, running around, jumping around? I didn't think so. I had a friend who spent 15 years of his life in hell because he was gay, and he had to repress his identity. And he never thought he'd see that day. And that's the kind of day I see with mental health. <clears throat> Today, I don't want people jumping around the street like with makeup on, because that's disingenuous. But I want people to be able to talk about it the same way they talk about a limp. It's the most common illness in this country. And the reality is, although that was 15 years of my life that were essentially controlled, defined, all that went through my head was anxiety. And, and the idea as well of people going, gosh, it's just stress. That's all anxiety is, stress. I'm like, Jesus, is that what you're thinking? Do you think that's why I was trying to knock myself out? Do you think that's why I broke my own arm? Do you think that's why I didn't sleep for weeks, my hair fell out, because I'm a bit stressed? And before, once again, as I said, I got angry with people's education on it. Our education system puts academic achievement first. Maybe sports seconds, maybe other. Somewhere down the pecking order comes human development comes people, humans. We need to readdress that. And it has to be at the top of the pecking order. Because quadratic equations in Shakespeare meant nothing to me. Nothing. I couldn't sleep. My head was occupied with nothing, only anxiety. And the idea that there's teenagers out there being referred to. Do you know what, do you know what they're referred to? Do you know, and I've worked with people in the public eye whose job it is, is to treat, figure out how do we deal with some of the issues in teenagers. They call them generation anxiety. That's what they're referred to. They've spent 14 years of their lives being taught in school, and then they're told they have to deliver over a 10-day period. They're bombarded with fiction that's sold as fat. They're bombarded with standards that are absolutely impossible. We've given them a lovely big dirty national debt that they have to pay off, long when I'm in a, hol in a holiday home or an old folks' home chilling out. Yet we've given them no coping mechanisms. We don't teach it to them. Just get on with it, lads. You'll be grand. And the internet and, and technology is a juggernaut. And it's going to run you over if you don't get on board. And it's fine to get on board. But you've got to learn how to cope. Because the world is frightening at the moment. And if we teach people how to do that in schools, not only will they be able to cope, other people in schools will understand that if one of you or one of, one of their friends turn to them, they'll go, I kind of get, get what this is. And the reason I wrote the book wasn't just for people going through their own emotional distress. It's for the mothers and fathers to understand it, to try and get an understanding of something that is deeply stressful for them too. It's for the general, you know, Joe Soap on the street going, Jesus, lads, what's that depression thing all about? Everyone's depressed. That's what I got people saying to me. Everyone's depressed. Well, actually, 30% of the country, have you said one in four have had emotional issues? It's so common. 
And the fact is, the book was written for everybody. We've got we to improve our mental fitness. Everybody has to do it. From the top CEOs in the country, the top CEOs in Ireland now are doing CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, because they can be better at what they do. The top athletes in this country, elite athletes, Olympic athletes, are doing CBT because they know they can get better, more focused, more concentrated. More. People are seeing the importance of investing in your minds, where for years we ignored them. It's the motherboard. It calls all the shots. And unfortunately, in my case, it called too many shots for too many years. So for me, the idea of a helpline is ideal for men, 18 to 24 especially. And I know the idea is we have to stop gen being gender-specific as well. This idea that women find it easier to talk. Yes, I have three sisters. They can talk. <laughs> but pain is pain, regardless of what gender. And for me, the idea with men, men just aren't willing to speak about that pain just yet. And something like a helpline will help. I know in my case it did. Uh, I know in the case of the people I probably should have met yesterday at a book signing that didn't have the strength that if they have somebody to call, it helps, especially professionals. And at the moment... There's a lot of people out there who say they're professionals. But that girl that night potentially saved my life. And these are the things you think about. These are the things you remember. So for me, yes, of course, any time I'm asked to do something like this, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't. My mission now, my vision for what I'm trying to achieve is to get this into the education system, but more importantly, to normalize it. So in five, six, seven years' time, you talk about depression, you talk about anxiety like you talk about a bad cold. I'm having a bad cold, Grand, don't go into work today. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a bad day, you're fired. Normalize the conversation. Make it normal. Uh, and I'll leave you on one note, is something that I said in the book. Recently, I had injured my ankles, <coughs> badly. And everybody in the street asked me, What's wrong with your ankle? What's wrong with your ankle? Why are you limping? Why are you limping? And I always th it made me think to myself, mental health illness doesn't have a limp. So we don't see it, so we don't know how painful it can be. And we also think, and we only assume it affects certain people. We have to readdress how we look at it, but you have to readdress the perception of it. The perception of it is, one, the most talented, inspiring, intelligent people I know, fact, are people that deal with mental health issues. Yet we sell it as a weakness, and that's a joke. And that's something that we need to all readdress. And St. Patrick's, who have actually been very, very good to friends of mine, friends that needed help, immediate help. And everybody in this country, every teenager, every young adult, the minute they ask for help, they should not have to wait. They shouldn't have to wait. And until our system is at a place where people can get help the minute they ask for it, we have a lot of work to do. But someone like St. Patrick's, when I asked for their help, it was there. So that's why I feel that we have a good relationship. Um, I think they're the driving force here. I think we've got to look at the perception of, it, of, of mental health hospitals. I wish I came here when I was 18 or 19. could have made such a difference to me. And I went another 10 years beating myself up, having no self-compassion, having no love for me or anybody around me. So these are the things you have to start looking at. If you're here, you're very lucky. Do everything in your power, everything, every single day, proactively to work on your mental fitness because it will stand to you. And when you do feel a bit stronger, what happens is everything else in life is easy. That's a fact. Every challenge that you think you'll face is easy. You're able to deal with this. Everything else is simple. Think of it that way. And it's a very good motivational thing to think about.
nothing in life phases me anymore. I don't mean that in an Oprah Winfrey way. Facts. Nothing scares me. I pulled myself from so many holes that I feel I have an internal resilience. So just find your resilience. Use it. And it's absolutely powerful. Cheers.